Advent. Some of you grew up in a traditional church and are familiar with it. Some may not be. But the season of Advent is starts the fourth Sunday before Christmas, and it is a season of expectation, a season of, of uh, preparing for the birth of Christ and then preparing for his return at his second coming. And different traditions celebrate it different ways. Um, every year, one of the ways that we celebrate from uh, celebrate the Advent season is we've borrowed something from other traditions called the Advent wreath. Now, the Advent wreath the, the, is a wreath of a circle of evergreen, and the circle of evergreen symbolizes the uh, uh, eternal life that we have through Christ, through faith in Him. Circles don't end, they just keep going around and around, and our, our, our life with Christ never ends. And then there are four candles on the wreath, one for each Sunday of Advent. Each candle represents a different theme for that week. And some of the traditions vary what themes or what week. Some of the traditions uh, 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 vary what each candle stands for. Uh, but um, the first we, today being the, the, the first week of Advent, we are celebrating the theme of hope. And I'm going to have uh, Pam come up and light the candle, the first candle, as we kick off our Advent season with a celebration of hope. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Would you join me and stand in the reading of the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Will you remain uh, standing as we sing the King of Kings together and worship?
You can be seated. I love the Advent season. I love the just the joy that surrounds and the anticipation as we prepare to celebrate Christ's birth, but also we prepare to celebrate the fact that he's coming again. He is going to return, not as a baby this time, but as a, a victorious king. He's going to come and and uh, uh, take his own that are his and establish a new heaven and a new earth um, and where, where he rules forever. And um, I, I, I just love this season. And as we said uh, just a moment ago, this season is a season, or this week we are celebrating a theme of hope. And the message of hope is something that, that runs all throughout the Bible, from Genesis all the way through Revelation. In fact, the Bible itself is a book of hope. In the midst of the darkness of this world, in the midst of every thing that's going on in the midst of every one of our situations and circumstances that we wish would be something else, there is hope. When God created man and woman in the Garden of Eden, He placed them in a perfect environment. There's no sin, no sickness, no death, no sorrow, None of that was here. They enjoyed perfect and pure fellowship with God. Adam and Eve enjoyed walks in the cool of the garden with, with the Lord. They enjoyed God's perfect creation together. And then one day something happened. One day the serpent came along and placed a thought in their minds to get them to doubt God's motives. Well, God has just told you this because he doesn't want you, you know, you're, you're not going to really die. He doesn't want you to be like him, and he knows that, that you're going to be like him if you do what he, what he told you, the one thing he told you not to do. And he deceived them, and, and he, he, so when that happened, they gave into the temptation, and when they did, that's when everything that is now wrong with this world came rushing in. Everything. Everything that is now wrong with this world came rushing in, and this world became broken, and we have lived in a broken world ever since. And now things that at one time were meant to be a joy became difficult and painful. Mankind was left here and told to tend the garden. You know, take care of the garden, and it was a joy. It was a thing of, of, of beauty, he, you know, something that he could enjoy doing. And now, all of a sudden, it was going to become difficult. It was going to become hard work. There were now going to be weeds to be pulled. It was now going to be, you know, sweating in the sun as he did that. And, and, and work be, mankind's work became toil. And, and then for, for women, childbirth would now become painful. That's a part of the curse. Childbirth became painful. Bottom line is, things didn't work any longer like they were supposed to. Because when mankind fell, all of creation fell along with him. But then God did something wonderful. He didn't leave us 
all alone in the brokenness of our lives without hope. He gave mankind a promise. And along with that promise was birthed hope. We have the promise of hope. Look at Genesis 3.15. The, 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 uh, uh, we're going to look at it. And it's the, this is the first prophecy of God where he says, I'm going to send a redeemer, someone who's going to set you free from Satan's power. This is the first promise we have of a redeemer that was going to come and make things right and destroy Satan's power and therefore restore all things, all things to God's original intent. So let's, let's take a look at it. The Lord is speaking to the serpent after he deceived Adam and Eve. And he says, the Lord says, And I will make enemies of you and the woman and of your offspring and her descendant. Because I'm going to make enemies of you and the serpent and of, of her offspring and, and uh, your offspring and her descendant. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Now, some translators translate this a little different. They say he shall crush your head. In other words, the de descendant of the woman said he shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. So through the crucifixion, this is what happened. When Jesus came and he was crucified, Satan bruised or he struck at Jesus' heel. He wounded him, okay? He, he on, on the cross, and the, the, that eventually led to Jesus' death. But then by Christ's resurrection from the dead on the third day, Satan was defeated. And Christ crushed the head of Satan. That's what that's referring to. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. While Satan struck at Christ's heel, he couldn't destroy him. Instead, Christ came and destroyed Satan, crushed him, crushed him on the uh, crushed his head. And this is the first appearance in the Bible, as we said, that where where we have the promise of a savior. The first prophecy, the first promise that a Savior is going to come, and it's followed by many, many other prophecies concerning the Messiah throughout the Old Testament, what the what Messiah would do, where he would come from, you know, how he would live, how he would die, and things that would, would happen. And for example, Scripture tells us that the Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem. Scripture tells us that the Messiah is to be preceded by a messenger. The Messiah is to enter Jerusalem on a donkey. The Messiah would be betrayed by a friend. The Messiah would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. The Messiah is to be born of a virgin. The Messiah was to be hated without cause. The Messiah would be silent before his accusers. The Messiah would be executed by crucifixion by having his hands and his feet pierced. The Messiah would be given vinegar to quench his thirst while he's on the cross. Messiah would be executed without having a single bone broken. Messiah was to be buried with the rich after he died, and then he was to, the Messiah would be raised from the dead. That's just a few. The fact is, there are more than 324 prophecies concerning the Messiah. More than 324. A mathematician by the name of Peter Stoner applied the modern science of probability, 
for you math nuts. <clears throat> uh, the modern science of probability to just eight. He picked just eight of the prophecies concerning the Messiah. And he calculated the odds of one person fulfilling just those eight prophecies. Anyone want to guess how large the number was? What the odds were? He concluded that the chance of the prophesied Messiah fulfilling eight of those prophecies is one in 100 quadrillion. Now, for those of you like me that that you know, blows your mind, that is one with 17 zeros after it. In addition to all the prophecies fulfilled when Jesus came the first time, there's additional prophecies concerning when he comes again. You know, the Bible is a fascinating book. I mean, really, is it any wonder and amazement that, 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 you know, you can spend your whole life studying it, and every time you open it, you can see something new, something fresh. Every time we open it, 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 it can speak to our hearts. I would encourage you. You know, usually about this time every year, coming into the end of the year, I encourage people to begin to get into a pattern of regular reading of the Scriptures. Regular reading. If you've been a believer for a while and you've never read through the whole Bible in a year, starting with 2022, or if you want to get a jump start, start now. But pick a plan that is going to take you throughout the Bible in the year. And let 2022, if you've never done it before, be the year where you read the entire plan of the Bible. And there's all kinds of variations of that, whether you read straight through it, whether you read it, you know, some in the Old and some in the New Testament, you know, every, every time, or read it in chronological order. Go to your phone and download the, the Bible app by version, and you'll find any number of plans. Or if maybe you're new to the Bible and you're new in your relationship with the Lord, then I would encourage you to get on a plan to read through the New Testament through the year. Just read through the whole thing. There's something when, when you start reading through it in the Gospels, they just come alive. You read you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see the differences in the way the story is told or details here that were left out here, but then you know these two writers added them in. Or There's so much there, and every time we read it, you can take a passage that you've read your entire life and pick it up, and all of a sudden you see something new something fresh because this book is alive it's living and god uses it to feed us to encourage us to strengthen us to give us hope he uses this book you read through and say i remember i was remember that when i was reading through through the psalms i forget which psalm it was but it talks about the fact that he says plowman plowed their furrows on your back, and it was a picture. I realized that was a picture of Jesus when he was being flogged, how the, 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 uh, the cat of nine tails would just rip furrows down his back, just the flesh right down his back, ripping it off. And I thought, oh, my gosh, and how many hundreds of years was this written before this happened? 
all kinds of prophecies. So many have been fulfilled already, but there's more talking about the fact that Jesus is coming back. Isaiah 9 talks about the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, Messiah in verses 6 and 7. It says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom and establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. These promises of a deliverer, a Messiah, are what gave the people of God hope. Gave the people of God something to cling on to throughout the difficult years. I love in the, the movie The Chosen where, you know, Jesus is talking to Peter's wife and, and, and um, you know, he, he's, he's saying, hey, look, you know, it's not going to be easy for you. You know, while Peter's gone with me, going around with me. Now, you know, this isn't in the Bible. They're just saying something that could have happened, okay? So just get that right. The chosen doesn't claim that everything in there is from the Bible, but it gives a good picture of what, you know, life, you know, was, you know could, very well could have been like. Everything in there is very credible. But he says to, to Peter's wife, says, or, or, you know, describes, you know, it's not going to be easy. And she just looks at him and says, what, that wouldn't be our way. And he's like, no, it wouldn't. Because it's never been easy for the people of God. But the people of God have always had hope. And in the same way, God's promises give you and give me hope. And we find those promises in here. Our hope is the assurance that just as God fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament concerning the birth of the, of the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah on his first arrival, he will also fulfill the promise that Jesus, our Messiah, and our King will return to rule this earth. That's why in some traditions, the first candle, the candle of hope, in some traditions, they call this the candle of prophecy or the prophecy candle. Because it, it looks back to the prophecies that speak of Christ's uh, uh, first coming and forward to the promise of his second coming when he returns. And when he returns, we are going to see, see the final fulfillment of all that he came to do. And that brings us to the second thing I want to talk about concerning hope, and that is, what's its purpose? What is the purpose of our hope? You know, in other words, for what purpose did the Messiah, who is our hope, for what purpose did he come? Why was he born that first Christmas morning, and for what purpose is he coming back? The end goal is to restore all of creation to its original state 
in the Garden of Eden. Where men and women could walk with him freely. Without shame, without guilt. And could enjoy his creation where all of creation is, has been redeemed and restored. And everything is as it was in the garden when that first, when, when, when mankind was first placed in the garden and everything was perfect. That's what he's coming to do. To wipe away all traces of sin so that our lives could be restored to God's original plan before mankind's fall in the garden. 1 John 3.8 says, The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. To destroy his works. That's why Jesus came. The work of the devil is sin. It's rebellion against God. And Jesus could, was able to destroy its power over mankind because Jesus had no sin. So sin had no hold on him. Had nothing in him that it could hold on to. The reason that Jesus, our hope, came is to, was to destroy sin and all that came along with it. Sickness, disease, sorrow, death, greed, animosity, bitterness, resentment, guilt, shame. Jesus came so that all of that would be done away with. Now, one day there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. The old heaven and earth are going to be done away with, and, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and everything will be fully, fully restored to God's original design and intent as it was in the garden. We don't always realize that. We think we're just going to go to heaven one day and, and you know, live happily ever after there. Well, you know, we are going to live in a, in, in a, in a new and restored earth with God. Because God's presence will be here because the new heaven is going to come and, and fill the new earth. And everything will be fully restored. Throughout history, mankind has been waiting. Throughout history, mankind has looked into this book and looked at the promises, looked at the prophecies, and said, When, O Lord, when, O Lord... Israel lived for, for, for so many years just, just waiting in anticipation, in faith that, yes, the Messiah was coming, but when was it going to, when is he going to come? And then one day, at just the right time, everything with God's plan was set in motion. And that's when we have the fulfillment of hope. And during the season of Advent, as we look back and reflect on the birth of Christ, we look at the fulfillment of all that the prophets have said as God took on human flesh in the person of Jesus. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, he said, 
But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. It's important that we understand something. Christ's birth didn't just happen at some random time. It's like God was just, you know, just up there in heaven, you know, having a good day, binging on on the chosen. And, you know, he didn't just randomly say, oh, today's the day. Happy birthday, son. That's not how it went. The time was set in God's plan from the beginning. And when it says the set time had fully come, some translations say in the fullness of time. And that word fullness, the Greek word that's used there, is a word that you would describe when a glass of water is so full that just adding one more drop would cause it to overflow, to spill over. You ever, you know, when when you were a kid, well, let's be real. When you're a parent and your kid asks for a glass of water, did you ever say, oh, okay, put the glass in front of them and then fill it up? Oh, till it's just like it's above, actually above the rim of the glass. Okay, now drink it and, and try to challenge them to drink it without. You ever do that to your kids? Ever do that to your friends? You got a lot of work cut out with me, God. Um, <laughs> but, it's, but you know what I'm talking about, right? When it's so full, it's actually, you get down and look at it, and it's over the rim of the glass, and one more drop will cause it to spill over. It's as full as it could be. That is the word, that's the meaning of the Greek word that is used here. Everything in the world system was in place. The Romans had developed a network of roads so that the gospel could be carried throughout the known world with, with, with uh, uh, ease and, and, and uh, rapid speed. The, there was a, a, a common language, as uh, the common language was Greek, that was spoken by most people throughout the known world. I mean, every, so everything converged together at just the right time, and then Christ was born. He wasn't late. He wasn't early. He was right on time. It's hard for us to understand sometimes, but God's timetable is not ours. We see things differently. We see things from a different perspective. We see things from a perspective that, you know, where God sees the whole thing, we see a tiny bit. And we're freaking out because this, you know, God's not working in our time frame. And God's just like, don't worry. I've got this. I've got you. I see the whole picture and I have a plan. That's the, on that day, we will see when, when, when Christ returns, because in the same way as, as his first coming, there is an appointed time when Christ returns. And on that day, we shall see all that he started when he first came. We will see all of it come to its fulfillment. And that's the hope of every believer. One day, Christ is going to return. And when he does, we'll see the fulfillment of all that he inaugurated at his first coming. Everything will be brought to its fulfillment. That is our hope as believers. And Paul writes in Romans 5.5, And this hope 
will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. See, our hope is not a a, a wish. Our hope is not a strong desire. It's a confident expectation, and we will not be disappointed. It's because our hope isn't a desired outcome. Our hope isn't a preferred occurrence of events. Our hope isn't in our circumstances, the fact that they'll change. It's not in that. Our hope isn't in the political realm or in a political party. Our hope is a person, the person of Jesus, not just any person, the person of Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and Him alone. The one whose birth we, we, we prepare our, our hearts to celebrate this Advent season, our hope is in Him. The one who has a proven track record of faithfulness, the one who fulfilled prophecy after prophecy after prophecy with His birth and then His life, His death, His burial, and His resurrection, that's the one our hope is in. The one who has proven himself faithful time and time again. The one who defines the word faithful. The one who has already proven that he's for us. He is for us. We have no greater person cheering us on more than, than, than Jesus Christ is cheering us on in faith saying, you can do this. I provided the way. You can be strong. You can be bold. You can be courageous in me. I have already provided for you. Nobody is cheering us on more than he is. Nobody has proven his love for us more than God has. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I was talking to somebody a little while back, and it's like they were talking about how they, you know, I, 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 I got to get my life together. I got to get my life together first. You know, my life is a mess. It's like Jesus wants you to come to him in all the mess of your life. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to cover it up. Don't try to, you know, pretend it's not there. Don't try to, you know, like get all, every, everything in order first. Just grab it all, lock, stock, and barrel, and come running to him with it and see what he will do with it. I want to ask you something. What situation are you facing right now? Is there something in your life that has made you, caused you to begin to lose hope? Be tired in your situation. Things will never change. I'll never change been this way all my life I've tried I've tried 
and I keep falling. What's the situation in your life that is causing you to want to just give up? Throw in the towel. What's going on in your life that has you worried, anxious, concerned, afraid, staying up all night, losing sleep? What are you hoping for in that situation? What, or I should say, who is your hope in? God sent His Son, Jesus, into the mess of our lives. I think it's so fitting that Jesus wasn't born in a nice, beautiful room at the Embassy Suites. Jesus was born in a barn, a stable. Whether it was actually a barn or a cave, there were animals there. There were animals there. Do you know what animals do? Think about it. They eat and they drink. What else do they do? That's all got to go somewhere. Do you think they have a nice little outhouse that they can go to to do their business outside the, the, the barn or cave or whatever they're in, the manger? Do you think they have a nice little, you know, porta pots set up there for animals that they go to? No, they just go right where they are. That's where Jesus was born. It's so fitting because when Jesus came, he entered into the mess of our lives and he entered with a message. And his message was, I love you. His message was, I love you. Do you realize that? He's saying that to you. Not just to the people sitting around you. He's saying that to you. He wants you to know it. And he went to extreme measures so that you would know it. And along with the message of I love you, he, 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 he came into the mess of our lives with an invitation. And that invitation is, trust in me. Trust in me. You can't see it. You can't see what, I've been, what I'm doing, but I started working on your situation before you even knew you were in a situation. Because I saw all this from the beginning. None of it has taken me by surprise. And I have a plan for it. And I have a, 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 a purpose for you in mind. And, and so he gives a, a message of love and an invitation of trust. And he says, just trust in me. You may see nothing but darkness closing in on this situation. But remember something. Think about something. It was in the dark of night when the angel lit the sky to announce the to the shepherds the birth of the Messiah. 
It was in the dark of night when suddenly the sky just just split open and all the glory of heaven showed down as the angel announced uh, 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 tonight, this night in the city of David, a Savior is born for for the whole world. In the darkest of night comes that ray of hope, that beam of hope. In the darkest of night is when the light shines the brightest. You may not see anything God could possibly do in your situation. Well, you know something? As I thought about this, as I was working on this, I thought that's the exact place where the disciples were on the day after the crucifixion. On the day after the crucifixion, they saw absolutely no hope. They thought everything is ruined. Everything has fallen apart. There is no way God could redeem us because they couldn't see to the next day. We don't have to see to the next day. All we have to do is lift our eyes and look at Jesus. So I want to encourage you, this Advent season, let it be a season of hope for your life. Jesus is your hope. Don't try to figure out how your situation is going to work out. He's got a lot better plan than anything we can come up with. Just trust in who is going to work it out. So look up in expectation and hope because Jesus is our hope. As long as we have him, you have hope. If you don't have him in your life, if your trust, if your faith is not in him, and the fact that Jesus came to this earth was crucified, buried, and then rose on the third day. I challenge you, I invite you to put your faith in the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. And in so doing, he declared the the, um, the, the, the price paid for all of our wrongdoing. Everything. He declared the price that Jesus paid, the Father declared it as accepted, paid in full. No further payment needs to be made or could be made. And in the resurrection, he gives us new life. If you've never put your faith in that, then I want to encourage you right now to do so. I want everybody close their eyes for a moment and bow your heads. I don't know everybody here. I don't I know most of you and but this I know. God wants a relationship with every single person in this room. If you have a relationship with with him, I would say that's awesome. 
keep nurturing it, keep feeding it, keep living in it. But if you've never taken the step to put your faith in him, saying that's what I'm going to trust in now, because I believe this, I believe the message, I'm putting my faith in him. If you've never done that step and you want to do it now, the invitation's out there for you. I'm not going to have you come forward or anything. Just invite you to slip up your hand right where you are. And then we'll pray. Anybody at all? Okay. Let me pray a prayer over the congregation. Lord Jesus, I invite you to come and ask you to come right now and breathe hope into everyone here who is discouraged, into everyone here who feels hopeless or whose hope has been waning, their faith has been weakening. I pray that you would come in right now and breathe hope and life into every being. Holy Spirit, come. Draw our eyes to Jesus, our hope. Our hope is not in our circumstances changing. Our hope is in you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, let us fix our eyes on him. Let that hope burn like a flame inside of our hearts and grow each day. We pray all of this in the name of the one who's coming again. In the name of the one who's going to fulfill every remaining prophecy of the Messiah. In the name of the one who's going to restore all things to the Father's original intent. And that name is Jesus in which we pray. Amen. Amen. A couple of uh, announcements I'd like to, to share. We'll dismiss in just a moment. But um, next week, for those of you who are parents, next week, immediately after the service, we have the pra practice for our children's pageant. So if you could plan on staying here a little bit longer, uh, and if you're worried about your kids being hungry, we always feed them a pancake breakfast uh, morning in class so that um, they can stay a little bit longer after service and uh, uh, rehearse our Christmas pageant, which leads me to the next announcement, and that is Sunday, December 12th, in service, will be our children's Christmas pageant. If you've not seen, has anybody here not seen that? Not been, okay. Oh, you're in for a treat. It is, it is awesome. It is so much fun. I've had so many people tell me that's their favorite thing all year is our children's Christmas pageant. It's real. I would describe it as that. I wouldn't just, yeah, it's, it's real, okay. 
By the way, one of my favorite Christmas movies is A Charlie Brown Christmas, so that should tell you something. Um, we're going to um, also just want to remind you there's three ways that you can worship with the giving of your tithes and offerings, either electronically at our website, bloomingtonvineyard.com. There's a, a little circle says give uh, icon in the, in the bottom, the lower right-hand corner. When you go to the page, you can click on that. It'll walk you through. Very simple. Or we have black boxes by the doors. You can just drop it in the slot on top on your way out. Uh, or mail a check to our post office box um, uh, here in town. So uh, three ways that you can worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings. Now, one, one more thing. Let's, let's all stand, and I want to invite you to join me as we pray the Lord's Prayer together. So we pray the Lord's Prayer, and we'll have the words up there so we all get it right when it comes to the word trespasses, because some do trespasses, some do debts, uh, some do sin. Well, we don't do sins, but you know what I mean. Um, so now, so let's pray it together and let's pray it as a prayer, as we mean it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Go out and have a great week.